0: Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission, Church Partnership Evangelism, and its Associate Fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism, and your Bible teacher. CPE has missionaries in South America, Europe, and Asia. If you wish to learn more about our work, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Luther called the Book of Romans the chief part of the New Testament. Calvin said that the book of Romans opened the door to all the treasures of Scripture. It is a New Testament book that all believers should commit to studying. In studying the book of Romans, we need to pause and consider Paul's attitude towards those he is writing to in Rome. In Romans chapter 1, verse 8, we find that attitude, and it reveals the spirit in which a ministry that touches lives should go forward. Pastors, leaders, body of Christ, pay close attention what Paul has to say. The primary lesson that I get when I look at this passage is one regarding the heart that I'm to have in serving and ministering to the members of the family of God, the members of the church. I find here that I'm being taught how I'm to approach you, how I'm to approach those brothers and sisters that I work with in different countries around the world, What, what attitude is supposed to be within me, what are the desires of ministry I want to have with them, how I perceive them and understand them, and it also reveals to me what the attitudes are that we're to have towards one another. What is the impact that we should want to have upon one another, and then along with one another? What's the impact that we should want to have with others who are in our lives together? What's the, in a sense, the dynamic of service that should be developed in us? As we live together before the Lord as his servants and as members of his redeemed family. And I think we see much in this passage that instructs us in this way. I'm going to only share with you. I've got six points. I'm going to share with you three this morning. And we'll just begin working our way through it. And we'll see these attitudes that shape. And keep in mind now, this is what is in the heart of Paul before he ever writes his letter to the Romans. Before he steps to minister to them. This is the attitude that he has towards the people in Rome and it tells us something, the attitude that he has towards all those that he he ministered to as he wrote his letters to them. And The first thing I want you to see in verse 7, I want you to note that Paul brings to them a statement of inclusion and of the blessing that belongs to them because they are included as the people of God. So he's writing these Gentile Christians largely in Rome And the statement he makes is a statement that includes them now and brings them into and folds them into the covenant promises and the covenant relationship that God has with his own special chosen people. And as a result, it opens up before them the blessings and the provisions that God wants to pour out upon his people. Paul writes, To all who are in Rome, now he's speaking to all the believers. When he says to all in Rome, he's just referring to those Gentile believers and those Jewish believers that are there with him who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the Jews, as we mentioned before, that sensed that they had this unique relationship with God. They were the ones who God had uniquely chosen God had uniquely loved, and in that love, God had uniquely chosen, and out of that choosing, God had uniquely called in order that they might be holy people. That's why they were considered holy people. They were holy because God loved them, and God chose them, and God called them. And so that separated them out for uniquely God's gracious goodness to be poured out in favor upon them above all people, and God's peace and the great relationship that they would experience above all people. and You see this idea develop throughout the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 7, in verses 7 and 8, Moses is addressing the people of Israel. There Moses writes to them and says, The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath, the covenants that he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage and from the hand of King Pharaoh. You have experienced redemption. You have experienced salvation from your bondagement and your slavery because God loves you. Because he's called you and chose you just as he did your fathers. And now Paul is writing to this redeemed people of God through Jesus Christ in Rome. And he's applying to them the same terminology. You're loved. You're chosen. You're called. You belong in this community. Those who consider themselves to be the people of God. And because of this idea, the Jews also understood that they, in that identity were the recipients of very wonderful and profound blessings that were, in a sense, uniquely to be poured out upon them. And so, before the sacrificial system, at the end of the day, in the beginning of the day, it was the custom of the priests of Israel to raise their hands over the people of Israel and bless them. And the blessing that they gave is the very blessing that Paul is pronouncing here. Number 6, 24-26, I want to read to you the blessing that the priest would pronounce over the people of Israel. He would say this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. That is, be kind to you. The Lord lift his countenance up upon you and give you peace. Put a shalom upon you. And now, in this letter Paul is writing to these Gentile Christians, largely in Rome, he offers them the exact same benediction, the priestly benediction that was poured over the people of Israel before the temple. Not only does God include them into the people of God, but now he, he includes them into the claim of God's gracious outpouring and God's peace and God's blessing. And, and not only does he say, now the, the Lord bless you, but now he says, the Father bless you and Jesus Christ. And so he places the Gentiles within the people of God and he places the Lord Jesus as the blesser within the Godhead himself, the one blessing. But just see this. Paul sees these that he's writing to as belonging to God. He sees them as those who are loved of God and called of God. And he sees them in this light as the ones whom it is within God's very heart to bless. God wants to pour out blessings upon them. When Paul says grace and peace to you, which Paul says over and over again in his letters, Paul is not trying to outdo God here. He is wishing for them what God wishes for them. What God had desired and longed to pour upon his people Israel and what God now wants to pour upon them, grace, undeserved kindness and goodness of God flowing over them, peace, unobstructed delight in living under the watchful eye of God and the calm of knowing that they were reconciled and right with him. And may you live receiving God's kindness, he's basically saying. May you live knowing and increasingly knowing the peace of his presence and These are the unique privileges that belong to those who have lovingly been called and delivered from their sin and born again as God's people into God's family. Peter actually uses the exact same language when he's speaking to what's primarily a Jewish community of believers. And yet when we read Peter's word, we understand that Peter is not offering this blessing because they belong to Jews or they're part of the Jewish community, it's because they've come to Christ. And now the blessing is poured out to them through Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, Peter says this. It's the same idea we're talking about here with Paul. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now, through Jesus Christ, and your faith in him, have obtained mercy. And this is the same identity that Paul gives to these Christians in Rome. They belong to the same community as he does. They live under the same blessings as he does. There is an openness that's being given to them of their identity. This identification of them as loved and called of God. As candidates of God's special blessings of grace and peace. And this leads Paul as he steps forward to minister to them. This is the mindset Paul has. This is the way he identifies them before he even comes among them to minister to them. He's ministering to the select chosen people of God. People who have been redeemed of God and brought into his community and are the ones who are uniquely in the right position to receive God's blessings of grace and love and peace. Loved of God, chosen of God. That's his mentality when he goes to them. It's kind of a question we could ask ourselves. How do you view other Christians and members in the church? What do you consider as the standing of their life when you approach them and with one another? When I was a, a young boy going to church camp, there was a, a couple of young children that had been brought by a missionary family that was visiting one year. And they were two little children. They were two little black children, a little boy and a little girl. And they were about my age. They were about our ages. What we discovered was that they were the children of the king of the country in northern Africa where this missionary couple was from. And that there was a civil war taking place in that country, and so the the king had commissioned this missionary family to guard his children, and so they'd come back to the states to be under the care and watchful eye of these missionaries. And you know, that kind of changed the way that we treated these kids. We had the idea that they were royalty. There was a prince and a princess in our midst. You know, you're going down the slide and playing on the swing set, and when you're on the teeter-totter, the kid across from you is a prince. It's kind of impressive, and different sense in which we conducted ourselves with them in a kind of honor that we gave them and we felt ourselves as well honored to be with royalty. How do you consider one another? Princes, princesses, children of the king, a royal priesthood, a called out people, chosen of God, designed by him be blessed by him, be unique recipients of his love and his grace, of his favor and his goodness. And that, by the way, without reference to how you perform and what you do, just wanting to see them blessed, just wanting to see them lived under that blessing. A lot of the letters that Paul writes, he uses the same introduction. Grace and peace, grace and peace. It's really a reflection that they are now included as the people of God. And by the way, when he wrote those letters, it wasn't because everything was going hunky-dory. It wasn't because they were all behaving well. Oftentimes he wrote because they were kind of being problematic and they were kind of doing some disappointing things and they were expressing themselves in ways that were not really particularly honoring to one another and God. But Paul, when he goes to address them, never forgets they're the people of God they're uniquely blessed of God they're called of God and they're to be recipients of his grace and peace has to be our attitude when we approach one another when we come near to one another to serve and bless the very first word in verse 8 says first by the way when we look at that word first we know that what he really means there is foremost that he's not kind of giving a sequential point of first, second, third, fourth. And the reason we know that is because he doesn't give us second, third, or fourth. He just gives us first. And so when you see that word first, what he really means is most of all, foremost, most importantly. And so my second point is actually the most important thing Paul wants them to know. He receives them as members of the blessed people of God. These Gentile believers, I include you in my mind is that you belong to the people of God just as the Jews had. I approach you in that way. And now what Paul says is, I'm glad that that's the case. I'm thankful that it's so. First, foremost, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken throughout the whole world. Now, Paul is kind of exaggerating there he's using a bit of poetic license when he says that their faith is spoken throughout the whole world he's basically saying in all the region in which he's worked not only has the gospel made its way back to Rome but the the witness and testimony of people responding to the gospel has made its way back to all these different communities and all these places and so everywhere Paul works there's the rumor going on that there are people in Rome who are believing in Christ by the way when he says here the knowledge of your faith is spoken throughout the whole world he's not saying your really heroic actions of faith, the great deeds and mighty deeds that you're doing in faith, the remarkable service that you're rendering in faith. That's not what he's referring to. He's just referring to the fact that it's getting back to us, that you're turning to Jesus Christ and believing and trusting in Him. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.